Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuenengel. Good evening, Kaya. Good evening, Kaya. Welcome to the Law Report. I'm standing in for my big brother, Michael Monson and Bill. We're talking labor law today. Everything you need to know on labor law. Catch us on the other side. It's Know the Law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. Welcome, Kaya. Welcome to the Law Report. It's more busy time again. Standing in for my big brother, Michael Motswaneng Bill. I'm just being told that uh, Mike has won two uh, prestigious awards on the Liberty Radio Show Awards and is nominated again for the uh, for the third award. And we wish him very well. Clearly, this show has been very, very, very important in educating South Africa and in educating Kaya about all matters law. So we wish Michael Motswaneng Bill. All the best in the nomination for the Liberty um, uh, uh, Radio Awards, and I, 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 I trust very much that the right thing will be done and will be victorious again. We have contributed significantly, or he has contributed significantly, in getting the people of South Africa to know their rights. Today, uh, we talk about labor law. Uh, these are matters that affect the generality of South Africans. Either you are employed. And indeed, whether you're unemployed, because these are matters that might also affect you even within the context of your unemployment. And we hope that uh, those who are unemployed sooner or later, uh, the economy will pick up and uh, you will find employment uh, uh, elsewhere. So we we want to to prepare you for those who are unemployed about what is required uh, and what your rights are in respect of uh, labor laws. Those who are already in employment, uh, what are your rights um, in, in, in labor law? And people who are running companies, this is your show as well. Uh, you are employing employees. What is expected of you uh, as an employer? How do you relate to your um, to your employees? So this is clearly an important issue that affects uh, a, a lot of people. And, and, and as always, Mkaya, I encourage you to uh, call early uh, and put your questions to the guests that I'm going to be having on the show. Uh, and, and it's an all-women guest, by the way. Uh, we we also contributing our part in, in, in women empowerment uh, that... Um, they're great lawyers, and you'll hear from their contributions in the in the uh, in the discussion that we're going to have. So, Mkaya, give us a call early. Uh, put your questions to them. Let them answer you. We'll try and cover as much as we can. The Labor Relations Act is a very thick act, and did all the other sub acts that are that are there in labor law so we'll try and cover as much as we can so we encourage you to call us very early on 86 00959 so my first guest is 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 is, is don norton um uh, a director uh, of labor law at mkabela huntley attorneys uh don welcome to the show or maybe let me start with uh, with, with, with Shante Morton. Um, she's an attorney at Ferbin and uh, attorney. She's going to be my uh, my second guest. I, I can see on the screen that uh, we we have we have Shante. Shante, Shante, welcome to the to the law report. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I, I did tell Mkaya that it's it's a, it's an it's an all women um, uh, contribution except me. So we 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 we're very happy to 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 have you on the show. And I hope um, if there are young girls listening to the show, you we have two great women that are good lawyers that are going to be contributing. I hope you are motivated enough as well to study law and uh, and, and next time to be on the law report as well. Um, Don, welcome to the law report. Don, can you hear me? Well, we, we'll try and establish contact with uh, with Don. It seems there's a there's a, oh yeah, uh, uh, Don. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can, Michael. 
Don is is obviously I'm standing in for 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 Michael Montoneng Bill and uh, it's good to Hi. have you. It's it's good to have you on the on the show. Maybe let me start with you, Shante. Um, uh, yes. As, as 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 this this when we're talking about labor law, um, what are we talking about generally? In a, in, a, in a broad sketch, when someone to, says to you, let's talk about issues that relate to labor law, what is your understanding of that? Well, the, the main understanding for me behind it is basically the relationship between the employee and the employer. So what labor law actually means, it's how the relationship between these parties should be governed. Now, labor law is these very different aspects of it, but usually in South Africa, we have the Labor Relations Act and the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. So, for example, if an employer decides to employ an employee, he needs to make sure that he complies with the Labor Relations Act and the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. So, in a broad term, that would basically be what it is. It's the relationship between the employer and the employee, what recourse an employee might have if something goes wrong at the office, and what rights an employer actually has when appointing an employee to work for them. So, so, so from, 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 from that definition, Shante, employer and employee. Yes. So, let's 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 zoom into the two two characteristic the two two subsets uh, the the, yes. the two parties that you are saying are material to a relationship of of of, of labour law. Who constitutes to be an employee? Okay, so an employee would basically be a person that is appointed, for example, by a company, and they will render specific services to this company. So let's say, for example, five days a week, you know, eight hours a day, and then at the end of the month they would then receive remuneration. So it will be delivering services for purposes of receiving a salary at the end of the day. So that's the best way to explain what an employee will be. And then if we look at the alternative side of it and what an employer is, that would basically be a person that needs to appoint someone to help them in their business. So for example, if you have a big company that that cleans houses, that would basically mean you need to employ employees to help you to be able so, so if 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 um, let's let, let's problematize the, the 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 issue a bit further. Um, mm. If I render a service um, to 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 my employer, yeah. uh, and and you seek to describe me as as an employee, are there any specific characteristics of my conduct which would define me as an employee as opposed to anything else even though i'm doing the same the same thing for instance you, you are saying that i must render my my services for a particular amount of time in a particular uh, uh, week say eight hours in a week uh, yes. is there something specific in the manner in which i'm rendering this service that makes that makes me be defined as an employee as opposed to be defined as anything else although i'm doing the same thing Yes, most definitely. So I think the best example would be to compare an employee towards an independent contractor. That's, that's exactly so where if, I'm going, yes. Yes, yes. So if we look at an independent contractor, that is someone that you basically contract for a specific period to do a specific job. Now, you won't pay this person remuneration in the sense of paying them a monthly salary. How that would work is they would render an invoice to you with the specific details of the work that they did, and then you would pay the invoice. Now, if we look at an employee, this is now being different. Like I said earlier, then you would work, for example, from a Monday to a Friday, eight hours a day. But we can actually go further than that to say, you know what? 
if you use companies' uh, resources, so if it, for example, if you work on a computer, you're an IT person. You go in at the morning, you get your, your computer that is provided to you by, by your workplace, you get the Wi-Fi and the internet, you get a cell phone and everything that you use. Then it's also the case of you are actually being directed, for example, by a manager. So when you go into work, it specifically says that you need to report to a specific person. They will then give you instructions on what you need to do or what you don't need to do. So that is just one of the other facets that we can actually look at when deciding if an employee is actually an employee or then alternatively an independent contractor. So the best way to also describe it is in terms of the basic conditions of Employment Act, an employee is entitled to certain benefits. But these benefits would include, for example, you're entitled to leave, you know, you're entitled to sick leave or family responsibility leave. If you are then a woman, you're entitled to maternity leave. And they've now gone further to actually add in parental leave. Now, in the case where you are an independent contractor, you will not be entitled to these benefits. So, 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 for you to be an employee, then there has to be some form of you being dependent on your employer for the, for you to be able to discharge your responsibility, and 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 you you also being subject to the control of your employer in terms of being directed in the manner in which you conduct or you render your service. Yes, that's completely correct. And 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 the contrary is that if if you are an independent contractor, you might be rendering the same service or doing exactly the same thing. But if the instruments that you have, the instruments for you to discharge that duty, are not necessarily the are yours, for instance, and that you are not always under the subject and control of of, of another person, then you then qualify. Then you'll be a, an independent contractor. Yes, that's that's correct. So what the Labor Relations Act has actually done is they've set they've set out I think it's seven factors in yes. total that they list that if you comply with these factors and that I've discussed these factors now while I was talking. So if you comply with this, then it will be able then a commissioner, for example, or a court will be able to determine whether you were indeed an employee or whether you actually rendered services as an independent contractor. We can go further to say, you know, employment contracts in this regard is also very important because if you are employed and you have an employment contract and it states that you are a permanent employee working for the company, you can actually use that as a basis if you ever need to, you know, raise the dispute or whatever the case may be to show that I was employed as a permanent employee. Whereby an independent uh, contractor's agreement would, in all probability, very big on the first page state, you know, you're an independent contractor and the labor relations act and the basic conditions of employment act is not applicable to the relationship. So there is certain measures that an employer, for example, can, can implement to make sure that an employee or an independent contractor for that regard knows where they stand and how they are actually employed. That's that's very important. It's 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 very important to to, to understand the, the 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 distinction so that um, the 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 so, so you you are you are you are able to be covered by 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 the Labour Relations Act. So so is it correct then to suggest that if you are an independent contractor, you don't have the benefits that would otherwise accrue to to an employee? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's completely correct. So you will not be entitled to sick leave or unpaid leave. Well, unpaid leave obviously won't count, but sick leave or a disability leave or whatever the case may be, you will not be entitled to this. And also, if you are an independent contractor, your employee 
and I'm putting this in brackets obviously, will not be entitled to pay tax. So you as an independent contractor, if you did your invoice, you actually need to ensure that you pay tax towards SARS. Where if you are an employee, that's completely different. You know, you get your pay as you earn and you get all of that and your employer covers that portion for you. Kaya, we, 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 we're talking labor law and, and I've took great lawyers on, 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 the, on the line and, and we're trying to help you understand how Labor Relations Act and how uh, labor law uh, works in South Africa. We have just dealt with the, 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 what the characteristics of who constitutes to be an, to, to be an employee, the difference between an employee uh, and, and an independent contractor and, and she, has, she has dealt with some of the legislation that is applicable in, in, in labor law and, uh, and, and we're going to dig deeper into, in, into those uh, legislations and, and the laws that she, she, she has been she has been referring to as, as, as the show as the show goes on so so the earlier you give us a call Mkaya, the better i have two great uh, uh, guests on the line uh, for you to ask any questions that relate to to matters of labor law and the number to dial is 86 now, now l- l- let me come to you uh, at dawn for 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 she she, she Shante indicated that there may be instances where there's a dispute between an employer and an employee uh, and there's, there's some form of unhappiness. Let, let, let's start with an employee, an employee. Which forums do an employee, uh, should an employee approach in the event that they are unhappy with the nature of their relationship with their employer? Um, yes, well, the, the most important forum is the CTMA. Um, it's a very labor-friendly forum. And if there are concerns about um, an employee being unfairly treated, uh, whether that's with respect to, say, a promotion or a demotion, or they feel that they've been unfairly suspended, or there's been a dismissal, um, then the usual recourse would be to the CCMA. Um, But if the employee is part of an organized uh, sector, then the alternative would be a bargaining council. Um, and perhaps if I can just make a, a slightly different point to what Chantel was um, referring to, which is talking essentially about the individual employment relationship between employees and employers, I think there's another important dimension to, to bear in mind, if I can just uh, mention that too, and that is collective labor law. And yes, yes. in collective labor law, one is looking at the relationship between organized employers and trade unions or between employers and trade unions. Um, and that that's a very, very important relationship. Yes. Yes. Um, and collective agreements are struck at bargaining councils um, between big parties. And they those parties regulate their relationships through collective agreements. So just to get back to your, your earlier question about what is the forum that uh, an unhappy employee could approach, um, uh, if, if they're not part of a, a big sector, it would be the CCMA, or in certain circumstances, the Labor Court, um, or else bargaining council. Yeah, I, I'm glad you raised the issue of, uh, of, of organized labor, um, the, the difference between individual labor law and collective labor, labor law. And, and, and it's an aspect that I'd also want us to, to, to really deal with around um, uh, unionized employees and what the role of the unions 
uh, is in, in in labor relations, and and uh, it's 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 a it's a very important area that I think we we we, we should we, we should deal with, um, particularly on the second on the second half of the of the show. Uh, I'm happy, Mkaya, you taking the 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 the, the hit that I've I've sent that uh, you must call earlier. I see Oratile is online. I see Randall is online. Maybe let's start with you, Oratile, and so it. Hello. How are you, Oratile? I'm okay. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Law Report. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I was working for the Department of Education. I'm a retired teacher. And then I resigned. Uh, it sounds like we have lost... Uh, 20, hello? Uh, yeah, oh, you can hello? carry one already. Yes, I retired in 2018 December. And then uh, this week, I got a letter that they are going to duck to deduct uh, 898 rand, 28 rand for, for the leave payment. And my leave payment has been a, a, a considered, I was uh, given my leave uh, package. But they are going back to 2017. They want to deduct this year for a, a thing that happened in 2017. So I'm puzzled that what is happening now, it's not myself only. Uh, it's a couple of retired teachers that are doing this. So I want to know what is, how should I go about this thing? Because I'm really puzzled because I thought that they have deducted all the money that I was owing them at the end of the, the, the year. Uh, n- n- not that it is singularly decisive, uh, Ratili. Are you, are you a member of a union? Are you, were you unionized? I, I, I was unionized, but at the moment I'm retired. I'm a retired person. Don't you want to take and that? Hello. I think I think, there, there, I think there are a number of ways to to deal with the issue. Um, I think one can still approach uh, one of the recognised unions in the education sector, such as Satu, for example, okay. um, and and see if uh, they, they can provide any assistance. Um, but if I had to say, if I had to talk quite technically. Um, uh, the the recourse would be a civil claim in the labour court, um, and and essentially one would have a claim for the repayment of um, the amount that has been adu- deducted. That's assuming that the deduction was unlawfully made and that there was no good reason to make the deduction. Um, but usually employers um, will make those kind of deductions if the the person was not entitled to be paid the particular sick leave or annual leave or, or whatever the circumstances were. Um, but I think before one wants to, you know, approach court, I think sometimes it's useful to approach one's union or even to contact the Department uh, of Education itself um, and go to the, the district. Um, they have a labor relations unit and um, they are usually... Uh, you know, very friendly and, and amenable. Um, and so I think that would be one's first port of call before thinking about a civil claim. But technically and legally speaking, um, a civil claim in the, in the Labour Court, um, if there were a large number of, of previous um, employees who had been affected, would, would be uh, the way to go. So, Oratile, I... Okay, yes. I, I I I hope that the 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 answers that Don has given will will help you. Don Don, if 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 
if there is an intention to deduct money from her, uh, wouldn't it be uh, necessary that her consent be sought first before the deduction is made? Look, I think that would be the I think that would be the collegial way of of doing it. Um, and if um, the, list, your, the listener had been an employee um, and ha- wasn't retired, um, then that could certainly be the approach because a deduction can't be made um, without the employee's um, agreement. And there's a particular section in, in the Basic Conditions of yes. Employment Act, I think it's Section 34, whatever, um, where you know the various processes that an employer has to embark upon um, before making that deduction. So um, yes, that that would be that would be the usual situation. Um, but you know, very often these kind of of anomalies or difficulties or or complaints um, can be sorted out interpersonally. Um, before, before resorting to, to legal action. I hope, Oratile, you have been assisted. Randall in Johannesburg. Hello, I'd, I'd like to direct the question to Dawn. Yes. Um, as, as one of the leading labor law attorneys in South Africa. I'd like to find out... We only keep know, company with the best. <laughs> I, I, I see so. Yes. And I feel very honored. Yes. And I'd like to know if I employ someone, I interview someone today, and I'm an employer, and I, I employ whoever. And then um, a couple of months down the line, I realized that this person is not the uh, right fit, either through the temperament, the the mannerisms, the 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 the, the, the lack of of work ethic. And I simply I feel like I want to get rid of this person. Can I decide as an employer to just say, you know what, here's here's your letter of termination. Um, I want you to leave tomorrow, and I want you out of out of the out of the company purely because I don't like you. Or are there specific processes that I have to follow in order to to get rid of, rid of the employ, employee that I, I simply don't like? Or um, there is some issue in terms of the person's attitude or work ethic that is really not up to standard. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, our labor uh, legislation is is based on the principle of fairness um, and and there are two legs to that. There's, you know, procedural fairness and substantive fairness. Um, but faced with a situation like that, one would have to call the employee in. If they're on probation, you said you spoke about a short period of time, so let's assume this is a, a, a probation issue. Um, one would still call the employee in you would um, explain the ways in which you are dissatisfied with the, the employee's um, performance. Um, you would give the employee an opportunity to correct their or improve their performance or their attitude. Um, and if, it, if, it, if there was no improvement and um, the, 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 the performance was materially bad, um, you could you could terminate, but you do need to go through a fair process. And essentially, the the the, the, the important principle here is the Audi principle, uh, which is an opportunity for the employee to make their representations about the issue. Um, our our law does distinguish between a a terminate dismissal essentially um, between a, a dismissal during the period of probation and a dismissal after probation. And the, the basic principle 
um, that distinguishes the two is that the one can dismiss, and let me just say it a lot, uh, you know, simpler, um, is that you can, it's, it's easier to dismiss during a, whilst the person is on probation than after the probation has been confirmed because the standard of um, the, uh, the, the gravity of the misconduct or the poor work performance, the test for that um, is lower than um, if the person was already in um, permanent employment. But, but certainly one, one can't just call, you know, you can't just fire on the spot for, um, you, know, uh, you know, attitudinal problems or just poor work performance unless the nature of the misconduct is so gross. You, you catch the employee uh, with their fingers in the till or, you know, uh, catch them, uh, there's some sort of serious uh, sexual harassment and you see it and it's witnessed and you walk in on it um, and there's no explanation, then you can, then, then you are allowed to have a summary dismissal. Um, but the general principle is that you, you, the Audi principle where you allow the employee to make their representations when you explain uh, what you are dissatisfied with. So, 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 Chantel, let, 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 let me come to you. I mean, t- taking over from from uh, from 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 where Don has left, the yes. the maybe let me start with the basic question so that I get to my to, to my second question. Yes. What are the pieces of legislation or laws that uh, are generally more generally important in the regulation of the relationship between employers and employees? So much so that both employers and employees should basically at the very basic level uh, uh or rather at the very minimum level be aware of what what, what, what are these legislations that ben- generally regulate this relationship you know at the end of the day um that's you know we can t- talk about this for hours but mm. i think generally each employer and employer should be aware that these rights, and I'll get to them now, is very important to be followed. So there's a duty on an employer, for example, to ensure that there's a safe working environment. And I'm going to use this example because of, you know, COVID-19 and everything that is happening. So there's a duty on an employer to ensure, for example, that the environment that the employees are working in is safe and that they imply necessary measures to make sure that COVID-19, for example, does not get spread. But there's also a reciprocal duty on an employee, for example, to ensure that if they were abroad or they traveled outside of South Africa, that they bring this under the attention of the employer to make sure, actually, that um, they get tested and that they do not spread the virus. Now, that's just one of the laws. But if we look further into this as well, you know, you have a duty to to be paid for the work that you do. So if your employer fails to pay you, for example, you have the necessary recourse that you can take. You can approach the Labor Department or you can approach the CCMA and request that the matter be dealt with. And then also, if you are on... So, 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 so Chanda, if, 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 if an employee gets paid less for the same work yes. simply because they are a woman or simply because they are black... Uh, yes. Which piece of legislation should 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 guide um, should guide in the resolution of that of that dis, of, of of issues of that nature? I'm trying to you draw know, you to 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 where we we zoom in into saying the Labor Relations Act is an important piece of legislation. These are the pieces of legislation that you should you should generally be aware of. 
Yes, yes. Well, if if we look at discrimination, for example, because you are a woman and you didn't pay less, you know, the first place to go to is obviously the Constitution. The Constitution deals with if you are discriminated against what you need, you know, that you have your necessary recourse that you can take. But let's say, for example, you are women and you do become aware that you are being paid less. Your first recourse would be that you can actually, in terms of the Labor Relations Act, refer the matter to the CCMA. Let's say, for example, you get dismissed because you are a woman. That would actually mean an automatic unfair dismissal, which is termed in the Labor Relations Act as being unfair automatically. So that would give you the necessary recourse then to actually approach the CCMA and say, listen, I was discriminated against and I want to launch a NASA. So in essence, you have six months to be able to refer a discrimination matter to the CCMA. So, 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 Don, the the an employment relationship has started. Um, uh, me, as a person that has sought employment, has been and, and has been uh, I've been told now. Well, KFM wants to employ me uh, as an employee. What should I insist on from from my employer in 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 consummating this relationship to say? I have now, um, uh, you have now informed me that uh, I have been successful in the interview. Now I must start commencing work uh, with you. What kind of documentation is exchanged between me and my, my employer to regulate our relationship? And what are the, what are the material terms of, of, uh, of this relationship? Yes, well, I think, I think the contract of employment is um, the central contract. And in that contract, you want to make sure that what is included is obviously the salary, um, any benefits that um, Kaya is going to uh, uh, reward you with. Um, You will also want to know about uh, any policies that apply to your employment relationship, Um, policies, um, say, about promotion or about bonuses or um, disciplinary codes, grievance procedures, etc. So you want to you want to make sure that you um, read all the policies that are applicable and that you have a written contract of employment. And I think it's always advisable to take that uh, draft contract away, um, look at it overnight, um, you know, talk to your your spouse or, or someone who knows a little bit about labor law um, and just make sure that, that the contract that you sign um, reflects the agreement that you have reached with your employer, so, um, so I think those are those so, are the important. So, so, so what happens now? Uh, I, Kaya offers me a job here. I I start working and I, I I continue to work. It's now eight months. There is no written contract between us. Uh, am I still an employee? Am I still entitled to the benefits oh, that yeah. I'm still? Am I still entitled to the benefits that are that are otherwise would accrue to me had I signed the, the had, I, had I signed a contract? Yeah. The, the, the fact that there's no written contract doesn't mean you are not an employee. Um, that Kaya would be breaking the law, quite frankly, because the Basic Conditions of Employment Act requires a written agreement with employees. So a written contract, quite frankly, is a legal requirement. So if there was no written contract, your employer would be breaking the law. But the very fact that there's no written contract doesn't mean that there isn't a contract um, uh, between you or that um, uh, the usual terms and conditions um, which apply, which have been applying 
through practice, through the eight months that you've been employed, um, will apply. So your, whatever your remuneration was, whatever your, your ordinary hours of work were, um, those would apply um, by, by way of practice over the eight months. Um, and then I think it's also important to, to point out that the, the, the BCA, which is the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, does set a minimum bedrock of rights for employees which are read into a written contract whether they are reflected in the contract or not. So let me just explain that. So the BCA provides for sick leave and, and the, the provision is 30, 30 days um, paid sick leave over a, a three-year period. Um, the BCA also provides for annual leave um, over a three-week period for a year and, and overtime rates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and whether or not your employer has put, has actually stipulated in writing those provisions, those provisions still apply. They, they work by operation of law, whether or not they are physically in the contract, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So They are implied um, so, to be there. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so they, 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 they work by operation of law. They're included in the contract, even if they are absent from the written contract. And, and the fact that they, let me just make a last point, the fact that there is no written contract between, um, between yourself hypothetically and Kaya FM doesn't mean that you are not an employee. You are still an employee because you are still um, subject to the, the control of your employer and because you're performing a service uh, every night. Mkaya, we're talking all matters labor law, and I'm joined on the line by uh, Don Norton. She's a director of labor law at Mkabela Huntley Attorneys. I'm also joined by Shanti Morton. She's an attorney uh, at Vermillion Attorneys. We, 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 we're discussing all matters labor law, and I hope that by, by the time we end this, uh, this, this, um, this show, you will be as educated as we seek to educate you on matters of, of labor law. You'll know your rights as an employee. You'll also know your obligations as an employee, and the, the same is true. Uh, you would also know your rights and obligations as a as an employer. So, so Shante, let, let, let me come back to you. Now, this this relationship is 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 has been consummated through a written contract uh, between me and, and 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 my employer. Or as as Don has indicated, the absence of this written contract uh, doesn't mean that there is no employment relationship. The employment relationship uh, still exists. Yes. Because the relationship is there, at some point, this relationship will terminate or may terminate uh, either at the instance of the employer or at the instance of you as the employee. Let's start with the termination of an employment relationship at the instance of the employer. What are the reasons that an employee can, an employer can give for, uh, for, a, for a dismissal? Let, let, let's start the, 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 with the ending of a relationship by, 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 by a dismissal. On what basis can an employee can an employer dismiss? Uh, what are the re, uh, um, uh, uh, recognized reasons which an employer can can give to terminate an employment relationship? Okay, well, there's two broad reasons, and the first one would be a dismissal based on the fault of an employee, and then secondly, it would be a dismissal based on the no fault of the employee. So if we look at the fault of the employee, this will usually mean that the employee committed a form of misconduct, 
or acted in a negligent manner. Now, if the form of misconduct is usually the most reason provided why an employee will be dismissed. So a form of misconduct will be insubordination or insolence, you know, not taking a direct instruction from your employer, not acting it out or stealing money or, you know, hitting another employee in the workplace. So that would be a, a dismissal based on the fact that the employee did something wrong. So, so that's, a, that's a fault. That's a fault dismissal. Yes, the, it would be the fault of the employee why they were dismissed. Okay. But this goes further to say that there's also a dismissal based on the no fault of an employee, and this would be, for example, due to operational requirements. So this is where retrenchment would come in. So if you are retrenched as an employee, it's not necessarily that you did something wrong. It might be that the employer can no longer afford your services. You know, they needed to retrench a few employees so they're running low on you know money and they can't seem to afford employees anymore that would then also be another reason um, that an employee can actually be dismissed uh, what happens if i if i fall sick say again what happens if i fall sick and i'm, I'm, I'm unable to to render my service if you fall if you fall ill, um, your work would have to look at how long you will be off. So let's say, for example, you are only sick for a few days, then um, you know you would go on your sick leave, and if your sick leave runs out, obviously you would have to take unleave. But if it is a disease, for example, that is going to last for 60 days, or you need to go on permanent disability, for example, then the employee would have to look at alternatives, for example, if they can maybe place you in a position. So let's say you get uh, COVID-19 and you now need to work from home. Then they can actually help you with the necessary resources so that you're able to work from home and then still be able to do your job and, and meet the requirements that your employer has. If it turns out that, you know, they cannot assist you in working from home and they have no other alternative um, except having to dismiss you, then that would be, be a, a valid ground for an employer to actually dismiss an employee if they can no longer meet the requirements of the work that they need to do. So, so Mkaya, we, we, we're going to take a break, but uh, I, I, we, we are ending on a note so that we pick up the discussion uh, differently after the show, after, after, the, after the break, that there are only three grounds upon which an employer can terminate an employment relationship. It is a fault requirement where there's a misconduct, and the second one is for operational reasons where the business is unable to pay its employees, which basically is called retrenchments, and the, the third one is incapacity. If you are unable to render your, your your service to the employer by reason of 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 ill health, so those are the only three bases upon which an employment relationship can be terminated. Let's go out pay pay our rent for now. Call us now zero eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM ninety five dot nine. Welcome back to the Law Report, Mkaya. I'm standing in for my big brother, Michael Motsoning and We're still rooting for him to get the third award for the Liberty Radio uh, Award Shows. He has done well in the previous two, sh- two, two um, nominations and he's been nominated again for the third time. We'll be holding placards for him. Uh, hopefully, the, he, he wins it again for, 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 for the third time um, uh, in a row. So, I'm, I'm, I'm holding forth for him. Uh, we, we wish you very well, brother Michael, uh, wherever you wherever you have um uh, Chantel, we 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 
we we ended the conversation earlier on uh, on the grounds upon which uh, an employment relationship may be may, may be terminated now if if so so there could possibly be two uh, other issues that we didn't uh, deal with we dealt with an independent contractor now i want us to deal with the difference between a person that is employed permanently and a person who is employed uh on a fixed term contract um what is the difference between the two okay well if a person is employed on a fixed term contract that basically means that they are only employed for a specific period now the best example that i can use for for this purposes is basically to say let's say you have a lady who's working in a, a secretarial position and she has to go on maternity leave so she indicates that she's only going on maternity leave for three months so that means you have a vacancy in in your workplace at the moment because you need someone to basically pick up and go on with her work so then you would employ someone on a fixed term contract basis so what a fixed term contract basis would indicate is that you will be employed from let's say the 1st of january until the 30th of march so your employment will only be for a short period now what a fixed term contract needs to stipulate as well is that the employee should not expect that there's a reasonable chance that they might be retained in the future so the employee needs to understand you'll only employ be employed for let's say three months at, at at this time and then after that three months the employment relationship is done between us if let's say during this period the employee says the employer says you know what i'm going to retain you for a further three months and i want you to work for me going forward and after the three months the employer then it says, you know what, we want to put you in a permanent position. There would be no issue with that. But if the employer, it, it creates the impression that they actually are going to keep this employee on after that fixed term period has expired, that can actually indicate to any person, let's say, for example, a commissioner dealing with the matter at the CCMA, to say that they they created a reasonable expectation that this person will become a permanent employee. And then the CCMA will actually see this person as a permanent employee. So, so what, constitutes, uh, what constitutes creating a reasonable expectation that uh, the person will be a permanent employee? You know, it can even go as little as saying, you know what, we are going to have a year in function and we're putting you on the list. Let's say your fixed term contract is only up until June. Yeah. Now it comes May and they say, oh, you know what, we're having a year in function, we're putting you on the list because you're still going to be with us. So they create that expectation that in your mind as an employee, you think, oh, they're going to retain me because they want me to come to be at the, you know, the year end function. They've indicated to me that it seems that I'm going to stay on until that time. And then all of a sudden, you know, end of June comes and they tell you, listen, okay, we're not going to, you know, keep your services any further. You need to leave. You are on a fixed term contract. You know, that would as easy as that being so, you know so, a reasonable expectation so 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 they tell me that i'm going to be the mc um at, at the end of the year when my my, my contract is is ending in in june and when, yes. uh, 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 on the last day of of june they don't re, they don't keep me on as a as a, as an employee so what would yes. have happened there is that a dismissal yes so if if you go to the ccma and they say that they 
the employer actually created a reasonable expectation that you will be kept on, you will be seen as an employee, then that will be deemed a dismissal. So then the employer is going to face the problem of obviously they did not follow proper procedure when they dismissed you and they did not provide you with a valid reason for your dismissal. So that is the one thing that an employer needs to be very mindful of is sometimes when they employ an employee on a fixed term contract, they think they can actually get away with it. You know, I'm going to employ this person rather putting them on probation. I'm rather going to give them a fixed term contract to see if they fit in, in my work environment, if they work well with the other people. Then they automatically think they can get away with it because it's easier than, you know, if someone's on a fixed term contract to say, okay, it's the end of your contract, you need to leave. So a lot of employers have actually burn themselves in doing that because then, you know, going on with your normal work process, they might, you know, give so, that impression that they're going to keep the employee longer. So so you, you give me a three-month contract uh, yes. from January to March. At the end of the March, you say, no, actually, we're going to give you another three months. I stay for yes. another three months, March, April, May. In May, you say, no, actually, we, 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 we think we're going to give you another three months. You give me another three months. On the third, yes. on the fourth time, you then say, I ah, know, actually, we're not going to renew that contract. And yes. then you tell me that, well, th- that's it now. Yes, that can actually be seen as, you know, creating a permanent employee position in that regard because you have the expectation of being there again. So the moment that the employer actually creates that expectation, they can pick up very bad problems at the Specifically, if a commissioner then finds, you know, this this person should actually be a permanent employee because of that reasonable expectation that you created for them that they were going to stay on longer than they initially did. So, so I, I think okay, the point here is that, uh, and I know there are many of you who might be dealing with the situation like this, either as an employer or as as, as employee, that the, the the if your contract has been for, I'm talking about employees now. Your contract has been for short periods of time and it has continuously been renewed, it has continually been renewed. And at some point, then the employer just decided, you know what, actually, we, we don't need you anymore. That might constitute a, 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 a dismissal. And, and also on the part of, 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 um, of, of employers, you must be careful as to what you are doing when, you, when, you, when you're renewing, um, uh, when you're renewing sh- your, your, these short-term contracts that you must be clear that you might very well be creating a reasonable expectation that uh, uh, this person, either the contract will be renewed or they will be, uh, they'll be made a permanent um, uh, em- employee. Mkaya, we are taking your calls on 86 and we have Tebaso from Kempton Park. Hi, Tab- how are you? I'm very well, Tebaso. Welcome to the Law Report. Thank you so much. I, I have a question regarding uh, project-related fixed-term work. Your, your voice when sounds familiar. It, it is familiar. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, um, if the employer prof, uh, offers fixed-term work, fixed-term contract for, for uh, say, a construction, uh, for a construction site as a project-based work, and there is an actual situation uh, where employees have been made to, to stop, they were asked that they would be called back. There was no termination. There was no process in terms of, um, you know, procedurally what, you know, in terms of terminating them. They just were asked to hang on. And it's been three months since they were asked to, to just hang on and they, they, they'll be called. And they have not been paid any salaries. They have not, you know, gotten any kind of benefit from, from their employer. 
and some people were called back and some people were not, but there was no clear, clear distinction in terms of um, what was the basis upon which some people were called back on and some people were not. Uh, don't so, uh, yes. Can I, can I, there's, there's, there's also a, a, a similar contract type of, of work where it's now operational requirements that the, the client decides that um, you know, contractual issues have changed and then that impacts on, on, on the employees and contract has to be terminated. But contracts have been signed. Say contracts have, were due to end in June, but now there's operational requirements and contracts now have to end in March. So what would be the best, uh, you know, procedurally, what would be the fair and, 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 and legal uh, way to, to terminate those contracts. Uh, Don, do you want to take that? Yes, I think there, I think there are a couple of points to, made, to be made. Um, I think it's important to note that um, there's a legitimate business purpose for fixed-term contracts with respect to projects. So the, 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 the contract is not time-based. For example, it doesn't. It's not a contract for three months or six months or a couple of years. The the contract is to carry out a particular project, such as uh, build a bridge or seasonal work over a holiday period. Um, and when when that project has come to an end, um, the the employment relationship comes to an end, and and then it is over. Um, so there is nothing uh, inherently unfair about that. The, the project has come to an end, and uh, the employment relationship uh, terminates. Um, I, you know, I think that's that's an important um, type of fixed-term contract, and and it serves it does serve business purposes. Um, if you just getting back to the the listener who was talking about, um, uh, you know, termination. Before, before the conclude, before the the project has come to an end, in those circumstances, to me, that sounds like an unfair dismissal. Yeah. Um, and what what the employer should have done is follow a fair retrenchment process, um, because one cannot terminate for operational reasons unless you provided for that in the contract of employment. Um, because if you haven't provided for it in the, expressly in the contract of employment, the employee then has a claim for payment for the balance of the contract. Yes. So listening to the, um, the example given by um, the, the listener, um, if the contract was supposed to conclude in, in terminate in March, but in fact um, employees were let go in June, they would have a claim for payment of the balance of that contract. So that would be that would be my my short answer. Uh, they would have a claim, um, and certainly the the employer should have embarked upon uh, a section one eight nine process because this was going to be an early termination for operational requirements. So, certainly a CCMA case. 
yeah, don't we 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 we're running out of time, and but and I, I I think it would be important for you. You you did make contribution around the issues of uh, uh, of unions, uh, collective labor law as opposed to individual labor law. Uh, let, let, let's take one issue for instance. What, how do you constitute a union at a at a, at a workplace? Um. Well. Um what usually happens is you have a, a union organizer who uh, approaches workers um, and then makes overtures to the employer to recognize the union. The employer then responds by saying, well, well show me proof of the extent of your, your membership. Um, and, then, and the employer will then require um, uh, forms um, that, that employees have signed showing that membership forms, showing that they are members of a trade union. And then usually there is engagement between the employer um, and the, the, the trade union who wants recognition. And, and, and often it's about well, what, what, what would be a fair degree of, of representativity before the union is granted a recognition or organizational rights. Should it be 20% of the, the, the workforce? Should it be 40%? Should it, obviously, if it's majority uh, membership, uh, there's no difficulty in that respect. And if the, the employer and the union can't reach agreement on whether or not the, the, the union should be recognized, the recourse is a referral to the CCMA, it's an organizational um, uh, dispute, organizational rights dispute, it's a referral to the CCMA and quite frankly the CCMA conducts their own investigation to determine whether or not that trade union is sufficiently representative of the workplace and whether organizational rights should then flow. So basically that's what happens, so, so overtures from, from the union collecting those membership forms, approaching the, the employer, uh, engagement there, if, if, if there isn't a successful conclusion, uh, recourse to the CCMA, and the CCMA will make the final determination. So, so let's, uh, let's take it that the, the union has now been recognized. Uh, what are the sort of issues that the union is competent to deal with as opposed to you as the employee being able to deal with individually? Yeah, I, I think the union plays a very important role. Um, uh, especially representing employees, their members um, in disciplinary matters, in grievance matters, but um, most importantly, um, uh, negotiating better terms and conditions of employment and higher salaries. Because at the end of the day, it's a contestation about the size of the pie uh, that, that uh, employees uh, deserve. Um, so there's, there's inevitable uh, contestation between employers and employees about the slice of the pie. Um, but, but yeah, certainly unions representing uh, their members, um, disciplinary matters, health and safety matters. I mean, the, the COVID-19 uh, uh, issue, making sure that, you know, that workplaces um, are, are safe and that... Um, yeah, that they're safe places for, for uh, employees to be working at. Um, those are the so, kind of so, so, so concerns just, that, 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 that unions will take up on behalf of their members at a workplace. So, so, so just, just quickly before I, I tend to, 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 to Shante, uh, Shante uh, uh, Adon, what can 
employees strike about? What are the issues that employees can strike about? Yeah. Um, those, those are issues, what they call mutual interest issues. And basically what that means are issues or rights which, which they don't yet have. And most often, the, the issue that, that employees strike about is higher wages. So there's no automatic right to a higher wage. Um, and so the way in which one tries to, and a, a union tries to improve the, the remuneration package for uh, their members is to go on strike. So you can't go on strike about something that has already concluded or there's already agreement about. It must be about uh, an issue, uh, a, a right that has not been, yet been established. It must be about something new. It, must, it cannot be about something where there's already an agreement about the matter or it can't be about a, a, a matter which they say um, can be subject to arbitration where you can uh, take a dispute to the CCMA. It must be something new that Labour is seeking to acquire for their members. Shante, I, I wanted to come to you to, to explain uh, how disciplinary processes might, might take, but I can see the eye that I'm getting from the producers telling me that I must wrap up. I, I think this, this conversation can, can, cannot be done. Uh, we can't do justice to a conversation around issues of labor law in, in an hour, and, and, and I, I, I'm, very, I'm very grateful to your, uh, to your contribution. Um, um, Don Norton, she's a director of, uh, of labor law at um, Kabela Hartley Attorneys and Shante Morton. She's an attorney at Vermilion Tennis. I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful that you, you, you were with us on, on the show. And I hope that, Mkaya, you have, you have, you have gotten as much as you can from, uh, from these two lovely ladies who have helped us dissect these issues, uh, as we always seek to do to educate you on, on all matters uh, of level. Thank you very much, uh, uh, ladies. And to you, all of you, Mkaya, keep healthy and keep safe. That was the Law Report with Michael Mitzwining Bill. Kaya FM 95.9.